You're listening to the free preview episode of On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. To hear the entire episode, go to patreon.com forward slash Karen Geyer, K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R, and sign up. It's only $5 for the entire series. This is On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. Season 3, Episode 8, QAnon and Conspiracy Theories. The QAnon Conspiracy Theory is nuts, so we're going to break it down for you. Start the timer. QAnon believers think the world, but especially the United States, is controlled by a secret powerful organization, the Deep State and that Trump became president to stop it. Surprise, surprise, this began on 4chan with an anonymous user called Q, who claimed to be a government insider with Q-level security clearance. In October 2017, Q began posting intel drops, often referred to as breadcrumbs or even just drops. These posts are often incomprehensible because they're filled with abbreviations, cryptic references, and jargon. QAnon followers use these crumbs to try and decipher what new super-secret intel Q is trying to pass along. And that's why many of them refer to themselves as bakers. The conclusions QAnon followers have come to are straight up wild. They believe Trump and Mueller are working together to arrest a legion of corrupt, child-molesting elites. These arrests are the storm that followers are awaiting. Some followers also believe JFK Jr. is alive and will reveal himself this July 4th. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Hillary Clinton was executed. Survey says no. Kim Jong-un is a CIA asset. That's going to be a no from me, dog. There's no evidence for any of this. And a lot of Q's predictions about important dates and events have turned out to be totally wrong. QAnon started as a fringe theory online, but it's becoming more common to see people with Q signs at Trump rallies. And some QAnon believers are even facing jail time for actions taken in pursuit of this theory. You've been listening to BuzzFeed's explainer on QAnon called QAnon in two minutes. It's a phrase that sounds like it could be a part of any major political campaign. Where we go one, we go all. It is the battle cry of a conspiracy theory and internet sensation known as QAnon. It's by no means the only conspiracy theory that exists online, but it is the mega conspiracy that eats all other conspiracy theories. With me today is Will Summer from the Wright Richter newsletter and the Daily Beast who covers QAnon and has been covering its predecessor conspiracy theory, Pizzagate, since it first made headlines. Welcome, Will. Will, thank you so much for being with us today. Talk to me about how you became interested in conspiracy theories. This doesn't seem like something that the average journalist goes into. I grew up in a pretty conservative background in Texas and, you know, kind of experienced a lot of, you know, it was like road trips listening to Ayn Rand and Rush Limbaugh and stuff like that. So, you know, I developed a real taste for conservative media and, you know, even kind of far right stuff. And then, you know, really just over the past couple of years, around 2015, 2016, 
uh, I realized that this stuff was, um, you know, and these characters were kind of coming to the fore and starting to influence our politics, you know, in a way that I thought would be interesting to a, to a broader audience. Uh, so I started my newsletter. And uh, from there, I mean, you know, initially it was sort of just these kind of conservative personalities. Um, but I think over the past couple of years, we've seen uh, in the Trump administration uh, a lot more of these these kind of conspiracy theories uh, really take hold. What was the first conspiracy theory that you covered? When I was working for a Washington City paper, which is the DC Alt Weekly, I think Pizzagate, I think would, would have been it. Um, I was I, I was sitting at home one night and I noticed that all the characters I followed were tweeting about uh, Comet Ping Pong. And I thought, well, you know, that's great. You know, I like going to Comet Ping Pong, you know, maybe you know, you can agree that that's a great restaurant. And then I realized it was darker than that. And I, you know, I called up the head of Comet Ping Pong and he said, well, you know, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I think these guys are kind of just some nuts on the Internet and this will go away in a couple of days. Uh, and obviously that didn't uh, obviously that didn't end up happening. And around the same time, I was, uh, you know, the, the Seth Rich stuff was sort of taking off. And, uh, and, you know, I got involved in, you know, writing about the conspiracy theories there back in 2016. So, um, you know, a, a lot of this stuff was centered around D.C. and that's where I'm located. So. Uh, even before I was really covering politics nationally, uh, I was seeing with how the, with how this stuff was uh, was sort of taking root. If you had to explain Pizzagate to somebody, could you please explain that in a nutshell? Pizzagate started in I believe September or October 2016, and it was based on these emails uh, that were part of the the WikiLeaks publication of Democratic emails. And in John Podesta's emails, he made references to going to this restaurant, Comet Ping Pong, um, which is not that unusual because that's kind of, a, you know, it's a Washington restaurant that's popular with political types. And so there were these various references to pizza in his emails. And people looked and they said, uh, you know, it was going, being combed over by like Reddit people. Uh, and they said, well, look, you know, there, the FBI once said that pizza is a pedophile code word. Uh, therefore, he's probably talking, he means that this is a child sex dungeon. Um, and then, you know, from there, you know, people started harassing this restaurant. And, uh, you know, they became convinced that there was this essentially a satanic uh, child sex dungeon operating out of their basement. Uh, they don't even have a basement. But, uh, you know, in, in December 2016, someone came and fired a couple shots. Uh, I believe last year, someone tried to burn the restaurant down. So that was kind of, a, I, I think, one of the first examples we've seen uh, in this era of uh, conspiracy theories really having these dangerous effects. So what was some of the purported evidence that helped people believe in Pizzagate? So for example, um, you know, they would comb through the Instagram accounts of people who worked at Common Ping Pong or uh, had been there, or it, they had a uh, performance space in the back. And so, or bands that had performed there. And so they would, uh, you know, like there was a picture of like a baby like just wrapped up in pizza dough or something. And they're like, these guys are eating kids. Or, you know, there would be these kind of outlandish uh, performances, music performances uh, in the back, which again was typically adults, you know, it was like a 21 and over venue. Um, and I think it was people who just had sort of never been to, I mean, often these were these kind of very theatrical queer performances. And they're like, this is going down at a restaurant for kids. And, you know, it was just kind of this clash, I think, often of sort of a, an urban mindset and, and, you know, this kind of one particular subculture just being blown up. You know, some of these kind of high profile people had they had various art that I think, you know, maybe the average person would find a little odd. But but again, I mean, it is still like a giant stretch to say 
um, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is clearly proof of a sex dungeon. Um, and, and, and additionally, I, I think it was, um, I kind of lost my train of thought there. You can edit that out. Thanks. It sort of seems like if you were running a child sex ring and you didn't want people to know about that, you probably wouldn't have a bunch of art that lets people know that you were in on having a child sex ring. Well, one of the craziest parts is how they, like, because all these people are just sitting around, quote unquote, investigating online, they can't, I mean, they don't have investigative capabilities, like they don't have a grand jury that can issue subpoenas, they don't, they, they certainly don't go interview people, uh, which is, you know, for the best. Uh, but so they, they become obsessed with this idea that all of this is out in the open. And so that you can just spend hours researching something and you'll prove this person to a pedophile. In reality, people don't, you know, if, if, if actual pedophiles, actual sex traffickers, they don't post little clues to what they're up to because it's illegal. Um, but, you know, they become convinced, uh, you know, one of the big things, again, is this um, is either that is that anyone eating pizza, a picture of someone eating pizza, that's a sign that they're a pedophile. Or that there was this one FBI sting where there was kind of this like triangle that the pedophiles were using as a symbol. And then this becomes, but of course, a pizza slice also looks like a triangle. So any restaurant that has kind of a pizza slice logo is somehow involved in this child sex network. Uh, but I mean, pizza is possibly the most popular food in America. And so just the, like, it, it's very advantageous for them to make their, to, to make the clues, th these things that are just everywhere. And I, and I think that often kind of fuels these, um, these rabbit holes. What was the most interesting thing that you discovered when you were investigating Pizzagate? I think it was interesting to see the, um, the, the dissonance between the, how the owner of Comet Ping Pong thought this was like basically a night of prank calls and what I was seeing online, which was just, uh, you know, just this just exponentially growing thing uh, that was just exploding hour by hour. More people were getting into it. Um, and I think, you know, one of the most disturbing things was within just a couple days, you had people like Jack Posobiec, uh, now at One America News and various other characters sort of showing up at Comet Ping Pong, live streaming themselves, you know, acting weird there. And so you, I began to be like, holy smokes, like this is moving off the internet. People are showing up here in real life. And of course that ultimately culminated in the shooting. Um, now, a couple years later, I think we're a lot more used to that happening, unfortunately. Um, but this was, it, it, that sort of felt like we were moving into this really kind of unstable new, uh, new phase. I was online the day that this shooting at Comet Pizza happened. A lot of people sort of thought, oh, well, this is going to be the end of Pizzagate or people are going to, you know, defect from believing in this because of what happened. I mean, the guy who shot up Comet Pizza himself sort of came to and stopped believing in it. Did you think that that was the case? It's, it seemed pretty obvious to me that um, it was not over. I mean, I think what happened was practically that a lot of people like Alex Jones or Mike Cernovich, who had been these these prominent promoters of Pizzagate, they were like kind of quasi-respectable characters in the Republican Party. That I mean, obviously, obviously Trump had been on Infowars. Um, you know, th th these were not just like absolute like people who were just completely shunned. They realized that you know potentially they could get sued, and in, in Alex Jones's case, he was by Common Ping Pong because suddenly they had you know a genuine damage to complain about. So it was abandoned by a lot of the kind of people who had been dabbling in it just, I, I think, for attention or for views or for new followers. Uh, but, you know, it continued to persist amongst 
much more shadowy groups and people. And, you know, this is a cycle you kind of see repeated over and over. Um, but they, but so it continued to bubble up. I mean, eventually it sort of became, it laid the seeds for QAnon. And again, you know, we saw last year, we saw someone try to burn down Comet Ping Pong in a, a totally, you know, just another Pizzagate aficionado. So, I mean, I think these things are very hard to root out. Um, I don't think anyone really has an answer to it yet. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely still going on. And, you know, just during the pandemic, we've seen another huge uptick in Pizzagate stuff. Um, it's getting really big on TikTok now with with teenagers and 20-somethings. And so, I mean, this is, it's almost like this, uh, like a pathogen or like a brain virus that kind of just circulates and maybe it moves away from a certain group of people who have become disabused of it and then it surges back. Based on your observation, what kind of person gets ensnared in this kind of conspiracy theory and gets drawn into it? Is there a profile? Is there a pattern? And I think often the people, but not always, uh, you, the people you see act out uh, in, you know, the most dangerous ways, uh, you know, with real life violence, you know, I think they were perhaps often uh, mentally unstable to begin with. Uh, and then this kind of gives them a, a direction for this and it, and it weaponizes it in a way. But I think the the broader a, a number of people who get into conspiracy theories, you know, I mean, I think part partially, you know, it's often very regular people. You know, I, I've talked to a lot of people who are into Pizzagate or QAnon who are just, I mean, 100% normal people in every other aspect. Um, but they also believe that Hillary Clinton eats babies. Um, and they'll explain that to you just like they'd tell you what they had for breakfast that day. And, and, and so it really kind of, I think, becomes this person's worldview. And, you know, a part of this is fueled by the fact that there is a lot of weird stuff going on. There's a pandemic, um, all of the Jeffrey Epstein stuff. You know, I mean, it's, so there is, I think, especially now, there's this feeling, I think, that things are being uncovered or that you can't really trust the authorities. But then often that spills over into these conspiracy theories that, you know, often end up just terrorizing completely innocent people. So Pizzagate eventually got eclipsed by QAnon. So... QAnon is a huge conspiracy theory. We should be really upfront about that. But can you try to give it to me in a nutshell? QAnon is a sort of mega conspiracy theory. But here is kind of the, 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 the crux of it. So in October 2017, an anonymous figure calling themselves Q started posting these very kind of coded messages uh, on 4chan. And these, these messages essentially, these came to be believed uh, by, by various Trump supporters that this was someone with a high-level security clearance in the Trump administration who was giving clues to the world as it really is, beyond what we can see. Um, and to sort of sum it up, the idea is that there's this satanic cabal in Hollywood, in the Democratic Party, in banking, um, and if you're catching some anti-Semitic overtones here, that's not accidental, that basically controls the world and is responsible for just about every problem we have, from disease to economic downturns to wars, and that a big part of this cabal's doings is murdering children, sexually abusing children in satanic rituals, you know, drinking their blood for this substance called adrenochrome that keeps the elites alive. And so QAnon comes in where the, minute the military knows about this, and they say to Trump, uh, hey, run for office so we can take these guys down. So the idea is that the Trump campaign was this sort of military operation to take on people like Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama. And ultimately, QAnon believers are really in anticipating a day called the storm, whereby they imagine that Trump will sort of affect a mass arrest or purge 
of his uh, his his political opponents, whether they be in the Democratic Party or you know celebrities they don't like, and either send them to Guantanamo Bay or just execute them outright. And so th- that's kind of the like the basic gist of QAnon is that Trump is taking on the satanic cabal and is going to you know arrest or kill them all. So, from my understanding, the date of the supposed storm has been moved around quite a bit. That's exactly right. I mean, initially, the claim was that Hillary Clinton would be arrested by the end of October 2017. Well, obviously, that didn't happen. But the beauty of the the, the vague messaging in Q, QAnon clues is that you can say, oh, well, you know, either we misinterpreted it. I mean, basically, people treat it, um, you know, sort of like, like a biblical scripture where you can argue over its meaning. Or they can say there's a, a QAnon phrase called disinformation is necessary. So perhaps in order to throw the cabal off the trail, Q had to, you know, some of these predictions that didn't come true were in fact, you know, red herrings or, um, or, you know, alternately people become obsessed with the idea that either the Hillary Clinton we see in the real world is a clone uh, and the real one is imprisoned or that they look at whenever a celebrity has like a leg injury and they, and they have a leg brace, they say that they're really covering up an ankle monitor. Or, um, I mean, there are all these ways that people find to explain the fact that these prophecies failed to come true. To unlock the rest of this episode, visit patreon.com forward slash K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R. It's only $5 to unlock over 20 hours of content.